This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. So welcome everyone to another exciting episode of Ultimate Global Podcast. In the series of episodes for CEOs, founders and co-founders, last time we were joined by Rasmus Host, the CEO of LMS365. Um, this time we are joined with Jane Oja. Um, she's the director of growth at Fish Burners. Um, she has been working with Fish Burners for the last five and a half years, started off her journey uh, way back in 2018 as events manager, head of growth, director of growth. Um, and I thought that no better person than her to call on this topic for how the startup landscape has kind of changed in Australia over the years because she interacts with a lot of founders, co-founders every now and then. And I guess she can be the best person to really interact about the new venture space in Australia at this point of time when everything is coming back to life after the pandemic. But before that, uh, the first question for you, Jane, starting off with today's podcast will be to understand a bit about your experience at Fish Burners um, at the moment. So would you like to describe for our audience um, what exactly are you doing at Fish Burners at this point of time? And what is Fish Burners for our, the audience which doesn't know that? Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for having me firstly. Um, but yeah, I'll start with what is Fish Burners. So Fish Burners is... Um, the oldest kind of original um, startup community. Um, we are a co-working space as well, but mainly a community. That's what we're all about. Um, it is a not-for-profit um, company. Um, we've been around for 11 years now. Started in Ultimo, 608 Harris Street. Now the building is actually UTS for startups. Um, and then once we you know, struggled to um, get more space there, we uh, we needed to expand to Winyard. So um, there was about 200 um, desks in the old Ultimo space. And then we actually had to also uh, rent out the terraced um, house next door just to house all the startups that wanted to be a part of Fish Furnace. Um, so obviously there was a need to expand. So I think about four and a half years ago now, we moved to um, Winyard, which is the Sydney startup hub um, alongside some other co-working spaces such as Thanksgiving Labs and Stone and & Chalk. Um, and that building is managed by the government, so investment to South Wales um, at the moment. So, um, so yeah, now we have, um, I think, about 450 desks or so. Um, and, yeah, we run a bunch of events. We're uh, very community-focused. So, um, so, yeah, that's kind of the short summary of what Fishburners is. Um, and what I currently do, so as you mentioned, I'm the director of growth. So what that entails is I look after um, the partnerships and also the event space sales and meeting room sales. So a lot of it's kind of a sales kind of role. Um, but yeah, I've done, I don't know, about five roles through my five and a half years at Fishburners, starting with the um, kind of events and programs. And then I was doing the community um, and then um then just the event space sales, and now it's the kind of growth growth role. So, yeah, I've been there for quite a while. <laughs> that's that's really interesting to know, Jane. Um, I would also like to understand from you a bit about how you feel that uh, after your interaction with different founders and CEOs on a daily basis, how do you feel that kind of has changed before pandemic and after pandemic in the way founders look at their business strategies? or how they want to evolve the whole concept of uh, 
work spaces because some of them they don't want their entire team to work from the office they want it to be more hybrid where some members can work from home some members right. can work from the office but this wasn't the case before the pandemic when we hadn't tested the model and i'm sure that since you have gone through the entire five and a half years of fish burners uh, you can tell us the difference on how founders kind of see this model of working with their within their teams yeah sure well there's obviously been a drastic change to that so just before covid we actually were at 95% capacity people were coming in every day that was just the norm like you know everyone was in the office every day so it was really busy but now um the main reason people joining now are they say i'm sick of working from home so a lot of um we do have a lot of early stage founders uh, at fishburners but we do also have teams of up to 15 20 people as well in there um so i would say it's more common that solo founders are the ones that want to be surrounded by you know like minded people and you know get advice and you know it just gives you more motivation when you're sur surrounded by other people um but with the teams i have to say a lot of the bigger teams actually just come in once a week or something so the space is definitely feels much emptier than it used to unfortunately uh which is why we actually just um a week ago we reduced our space by we took half of one floor off just so it would feel busier and to bring people more together because they were kind of scattered around and uh you know had had a big space to themselves <laughs> which i'm sure they enjoyed but uh, the whole point of fishburners is you know the community and kind of almost forcing some people to be together and and um making sure that they make connections um so yeah i would say it definitely is emptier because of those teams that only come in once a week uh but what what are we seeing more is those um you know new founders like you, you mentioned obviously covid was a big thing um so we had a lot of people join us after the you know lockdown um that had just started a business because they were at home uh you know they had a lot of time in their hands uh, you know some of them might have ma been made redundant through covid so a lot of businesses definitely started um through covid um because of that and people just you know being locked in their homes nothing else to do um so that was great to see um so yeah definitely lots of new startups um were born in covid <laughs> I I think I will point out the same thing to George as well because uh, George uh, for your information Jane mentors a lot of students sitting sitting back in his house in mm -hmm. Oakland he just mentors all the students um mm -hmm. and he also runs his own business so how has your experience been um George because you have been uh, the founder and CEO of a small business and you're also coaching students how has been your experience through the pandemic because i know you are a person who always wants the face to face interactions uh, must have been difficult for you to uh, when everything turned virtual yeah look i i think one of the I, i one of my sayings is every cloud you must be able to find the silver lining on every gray cloud and one of the silver linings of covid was that it actually showed people that we can work from home and we can work out of the office and we can achieve productivity and a whole lot of things like that. However, having said that, one of my um more recent talks is is about what happened to the coffee machine education. And one of the beautiful things about having people working together in an office is quite often the younger or the less experienced 
hear something at the meeting, the boss says something or somebody says something, and then you, Jane, and I are at the next, you know, we go grab a cup of coffee and one of us will turn to the other and say, well, what was that about? Or what did he mean by that? When you're working in these silos at home, you don't get that. Um, and the idea that people are going to continually ring up everybody and interact, it's not going to happen. Office, office interaction is one of the greatest things about getting information around. Quite often misinformation, but nevertheless information. Um, earlier this year, I had to do a presentation on my own business to my business networking group. And I actually pulled the presentation. I, I decided I would not do that presentation over the internet because it was a very emotional, it was a very inspiring, and it was a very... Um, get people in. And as you know, Sarab, I talk a lot about having energy in the room and that. You can't do that um, as well over the internet. So I think what we have found is a lot of people have said, you know what, if I cut out my driving time, I can pick up a lot of extra work time. And so they're doing that. Um, we've proven the misnomer um, that oh, if you let them work at home, they won't work, rubbish. In actual fact, it's been shown that in many cases, people are working longer hours at home than they are at the office because they get they get involved. So I think there's been good and bad, good and bad. Uh, I would hate to see it go as, as far as it has. I want to see it come back to people meeting people. For many, many years, um, and Jane, you would know this, we have busted our gut to get rid of information silos. Once you start having people working at home, you cannot help but end up with another silo. Now, it mightn't be as large as it was before, but nevertheless, there will be silos. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think uh, that's where my next question will be coming to now, because we have discussed about this component of flexibility of working uh, from home and offices. Another question from a startup landscape point of view will be how the startups have kind of evolved over a period of time in Australia with regards to their strategy building. Um, and I know, Jane, you organize different kind of events and fish burners, including the fish nights on Friday. Um, and so you listen to a lot of founders pitching in their ideas, pitching in their marketing strategies, or pitching in how they're going to uh, generate revenue for any new ventures that they're coming up with. Uh, I've, I personally met, uh, while I was working at Fishburners, I personally met a lot of founders who have got such an inspiring story. Uh, there is so much to learn from everyone's story. Um, what have been some of your top two or three uh, founders or ideas that you have heard in that community coming recently? Recently, okay, that's an interesting question. Um, I would say, well, two, three stories. <laughs> that threw me a bit off. Um, I would say um, what I've noticed Go for is... one sto good story and work your way up from there. Yes, sounds good. Thank you, George. Um, but, yeah, I would say um, a lot more businesses um, have been focusing on social, uh, social goods. So we just recently um, ran the Tech for Good Awards. Uh, because we wanted to kind of encourage um, more startups kind of doing good and, um, you know, social enterprises. Um, so I would say there's definitely in the past two years, there's been way more um, startups that are kind of looking, you know, 
re-looking at the way they do things and um, becoming social enterprises and especially with the whole global warming and you know there's a lot of really interesting ideas um, in that space I would say I can't, can't even point out one to well I can say one um, that is our founder at the moment is called Trace um, and we actually are uh, kind of part of Trace uh, which is a, an a platform where um, they help you um, reduce your carbon emissions by kind of planting more trees and things like that. So that's a really kind of interesting concept. And I know a lot of businesses have kind of invested in that as well to reduce their carbon emissions. So I think that's a really cool idea. Another one um, that is not in fish manners anymore, but because they grew. Um, so usually businesses grow out of fish manners. They need their own private space eventually. Um, V2 Food. Uh, which is a plant-based meat, um, and they work with CSRO. Um, you might have heard uh, Rebel Whopper at uh, Hungry Jack's. Um, so they're, they're the ones that provide the plant-based meat for that. Um, and now, actually, I think they um, they have their burgers and sausages and things on uh, in Woolies um, as well. So they've been really, you know, great. And uh, that's another kind of, you know, they do it because, obviously, um, meat is a big... Uh, big problem growing meat is a big problem for the world with um the climate change so i think that's really great as well and i i can never not mention of course koala i know that that's not a recent startup but koala is one of our biggest kind of success stories um danny milham who, who was actually on our board as well uh, but he just left the board i think december because he's he now started a new startup called milk run I'm sure you've heard of that. Um, they deliver groceries within 10 minutes um, to your door. So I think that was a great idea, especially through COVID. Um, you know, I mean, people all work from home and, you know, I suppose the society is becoming a bit uh, more lazy and, uh, you know, loves the convenience of things. So I think, yeah, Danny, um, who started Koala and now started Milk Run, he's, he's one of the most inspiring, I, su I suppose, uh, entrepreneurs that, uh, really hustles and uh, he raised 75 million dollars actually last year for the milk run so that's really great and another one um car next door they just sold to uber so i guess um through my time also at fish burners um you can see that it, you you know the success happens over time um so those startups they actually started you know in the beginning of fish burners 11 years ago and just now they're starting to, you know, they've sold their startups. So 10, 11 years later. So, you know, I, I guess, um, yeah, it's it's exciting to see finally, you know, all of these startups that have put their hard work into it uh, kind of succeed and, and um, you know, exit their startups. So I think now I've said about four or five of them. I'm sorry. So I said a couple of recent ones and a couple of kind of older ones. So I hope that covers it. Yeah, absolutely. You have answered more than what was asked. Absolutely. Um, I think I might ask the same question to George as well, because um, in interchange competitions like interchange um, and other student driven competitions in New South Wales, we keep on coming up with some new ideas. And I somehow find that ideas on sustainability or working towards the environment kind of are the leading ideas um, in all these competitions, also towards smart cities. Uh, when People are trying to build smart cities, thinking about different kind of things that we can do to make our infrastructure better every day. Do you think, George, these are the two versions which you also see coming up more within the student community when you lead those competitions? Um, actually, it's been interesting, um, Sarah, 
the um, the competition that I was just uh, finishing off with over at Joondalup this year, um, they they chose to pick um, in, um, overcoming uh, discrimination and that for students and how to uh, help them uh, be more employable in the local community. Last year at Joondalup, um, they took a tourism question and they changed it to a passion question. And the, the question was, how do we get more people to um, stay and visit Joondalup as opposed to pass through? And my team wanted to make it a destination location for people with disabilities. So that was an interesting thing. Yet in Sydney, um, we're talking uh, one of the one of the teams that were involved with um, uh, the challenge this year was talking about a sleep apnea program or or a um, falling asleep at the wheel um, app um, to, to solve the problem of people falling asleep at the wheel. Um, last year was about um, um, preventing uh, people getting scammed on the internet. So. For some reason, the Joondalup teams seem to be more around community and and um, looking to see how they can solve the problem of people that way. And the Sydney ones tend to be more about tech driven than that. So it's interesting. Um, but but certainly it's very um, heartening for me the number of uni students that are actually looking at things. Um, um, in the sustainability, um, uh, not, not wasting food, um, helping the um, the people that are, are harder are doing it harder in life than the rest of us. So yeah, it's a good mixture. Good mixture. And as you know, yeah. my campaign at the moment, which we're introducing uni students to a business networking group, is to build better businesses by building better business people to show people that it doesn't have to be all about profits to be a good and a successful business. So, um, so yeah, it's very pleasing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's what I also, when I interact with the uh, students who are now taking part in these kind of competitions, uh, sustainability is somehow at the top of it um, and how they can frame their business uh, lean canvas model in the right way somehow defines, uh, you know, what are they coming up with in the two or three weeks of program that they are framing. But in continuation with this, I would like to ask Jane, the three pillars that I really find interesting in the startup space um, are, one is the idea, what kind of idea you have and how different it is from others in the market. Um, and then when you start moving, what's the initial team that you are forming, how committed they are, um, have you started delegating them the right responsibilities? And of course, the strategies that you have for different things. Have you built in the strategies in place for marketing, uh, for uh, sales, for different things that you are doing? How do you rank in terms of idea, team, and strategy uh, for startups to be uh, really successful? Yeah, good question. Um... I would say definitely strategy would be the top one. So we've seen a lot of startups that, you know, started two years ago and I still haven't launched. So obviously their strategy is not working. Well, team is obviously crucial, but um, because we, we have mostly, you know, solo founders um, and um, yeah, so 
once they've got to the stage where they can actually have a team, then that's really important. Um, I think team is actually everything, to be honest. But most of our startups are very early stage. So they are mostly looking for co-founders, actually. That, that, is, the, that is the main main thing that everyone's always looking for, is a tech co-founder. <laughs> we actually have an event, actually, now um, that we're running with the government called Find Your Co-Founder. So if anyone's interested, then, um, yeah, it's going to be happening, I think, next month. Um, you can check out on our upcoming events on Fish Furnace. So uh, finding a co-founder is always a big issue for them. But I would say, yes, strategy, just get that right in the beginning, you know, and then the rest should be, you know, go to plan. And I think you mentioned something else, team strategy and idea, right? Yeah, so, well, the idea is, of course, also important. I think the most important thing is to test your idea in the beginning. Like, don't start building something that, you know, people are, are not going to be interested in. So build your MVP. It can be a landing page. It can be just a description, you know, of what the product will be. Research, do some market research, do focus groups, um, you know, check with people if they would be interested in, you know, buying your product or investing in your product. Um, because a lot of startups I've noticed, you know, through my time at Fishburners, they they were just building, building, building for years and years. And then they just went and got a corporate job uh, because it just didn't work or people weren't interested. So it's definitely important to test it at first, make sure that it's actually worth building it. And then, you know, then go ahead and do your strategy and start building it if there's interest. I think that's kind of the key. <laughs> Yeah, one of the one of the things that I really want to point out here is uh, while I was in you know attending these pitch nights on Friday, every Friday from five to six, I've attended few pitch nights where the founders are pitching to the uh, venture capitalists or angel investors. Uh, pretty interesting to see is that sometimes very simple presentations and very simple ideas are able to get that uh, big investment from the investors. Uh, have you ever noticed such an um, you know few examples where you have seen that very simple idea can win that final investment? Because sometimes we try to build in very complicated ideas to get that investment, but we don't have to make it complicated. We can make it simple, uh, and we can still win that money. So I'd yeah, love to know sure. your thoughts on that. I have uh, one one key example actually. A Fishburne is members. He's still a member. Vloggy. Um, is the company, um, they've got quite a few um, investments through the pitch night, actually. Interestingly, through um, COVID, we, we made these pitch nights um, hybrid. So we show them online now, we live stream them. And we often get, um, you know, investors overseas watching them too. So Vloggy actually got investment from, I believe it was Singapore. Um, and their idea is actually quite simple. Um, it's kind of making... Um, corporate videos easy so basically you send a link to um, you know a friend or whoever you want uh, to film themselves for I think 15 seconds and then the platform kind of puts a puts a promo video together for you so it's a really simple idea to be honest you think like oh why wouldn't you just use you know um, well, what's the Apple Apple app for the iMovie or whatever you know why don't you use that it is a very simple idea but I would say that's the my main one that I've been really like surprised that you know really gets so much um investor attention so that's the key one that kind of stands out to me and such a simple thing yet so much interest so yeah 
Yeah, and I I remember doing one of the presentations with George itself when we were preparing the presentation for Interchange two years back uh, on a smart city project, um, and I think George also mentioned about this point as to how you can make your presentation really uh, influencing, um, and you should have that storytelling component and be very precise in what you are saying so that the audience knows what exactly is your idea and what are you selling. Uh, and how are you selling it? Isn't it, George? Yeah, I think um, quite often uh, with startups, the 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 founder is a bit like the inventor of an invention. And they want to go through all the detail and the and the the big this and that and that. No one's interested. Not, and I don't mean that in the in the cruelest of senses, but. When we're investing and when you're looking at something from a commercial aspect, what does it do? Who's it going to serve? What's it going to sell for? How big's the market? That's it. Um, now, um, you can, if, you can, if you can get that nice and concise and then you deliver the story of why it's so important and why it's going to be different, the, the, the investors, even the ones that are 100% money men, there's still blue sky buyers. A blue sky buyer is buying into something that's not there. So they've got to be able to see what you've got in the future, not in the present. And so if you start getting it all complicated and all of this, they switch out. But if, if they can see, yeah, look, I got that in 30 seconds, then away you go, then they're going to, they're going to think that the average um, punter or client or customer um, is, is going to do the same thing. Uh, it happens in inventions. It happens in in, in startups of, of all sorts. That the the co-founder or the inventor, if they keep it nice and tight, and just tell us where it's going and what it's going to do, um, that's what they're interested in. Absolutely. Thank you so much, George. Thank you so much, Jane. I really appreciate. Um... Jane and George, both of you taking your um, time today for this discussion. I'm sure that we were able to create some sort of um, valuable insights for anyone in Australia or also who might be planning to uh, start something of their own outside Australia, because I'm sure we have shared some insights which are quite uh, useful beyond the borders, uh, respective of where you are located. Thank you so much, Jane. Um, I hope to see you pretty soon in person at Fishburners. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Saurav. Thank you, George. Nice to Thank meet you. It's been most interesting. <laughs>